Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply saving a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. I bumped into uh, Taylor Medic last night at Roos Chris as it was uh, my night to cook, uh, which meant uh, takeout, and uh, it was awesome. That's all I'm going to tell you. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. We uh, go to our Oilers Now headliner today, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And we welcome back to the show the Edmonton Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you doing? I actually ate at Ruth Chris last night, too, myself. There you go. So it was a good night, then. <laughs> it was a fantastic evening. Gillian uh, Seabass was fantastic. There you go. Uh, my guess is your com- my, my kids would probably tell you that your company was better than the company that my kids had last night. So... <laughs> Yeah, we had a we had a nice little group, so it was good. All right, um, that's uh, this year has been an interesting one. So Tyler, from every year from 2010 to uh, 2019, I went to the combine um, and had an opportunity to see probably 12 to 15 WHL games a year. Then I went to the draft and got in four or five days earlier. Uh, so at the combine between Jack and myself and whoever our reporter was at that time, we probably interviewed about 40 kids ourselves. We didn't have a chance to do any of that the last couple of years, and it puts us in a position where we can't even pretend to know what we're talking about with any of these kids because we just, we, you know, same with the draft. You go in the draft four days early, you hear the scuttlebutt, maybe there's a little bit of misdirection going on, and we're not the guys actually doing the job. You guys are the guys doing that job. And yet people still have some thoughts on, you know, on depth of draft and who's good and who's isn't. How much more challenging was it this year, given that you had OHL kids that didn't play or played over in Europe or, you know, some kids' only tournaments they played was U18, uh, just in terms of overall assessing the players going into the draft this year? Yeah, you mean, without a doubt, it's been the most challenging, but, you mean, 32 teams or 31 other teams are in the same boat. So, um, you mean, you try to gather as much information as can. You you do your due diligence. You, you're, you're talking to these kids. Um, you know, your area guys are constantly talking to them, talking to trainers, talking to coaches, talking to general managers. Um you know, we're having individual Zoom calls with the kids. It's not the same as sitting across from the table. You know, you're interviewing a Russian kid over in Russia whose Wi-Fi doesn't work and it's freezing up. And, I mean, you, you run into all these challenges. Uh, you mean, you're watching video and you're trying to you're trying to gauge on whether a defenseman's got good feet in his gap. And, you know, he's not even in the, you know, you're at the mercy of the quality of the video and the kid's not even in the picture. So, yeah, it's extremely challenging, but you're, you get what you're dealt with and and you gotta 
you got to move. You mean, we ended up moving back after day one. We picked up the third round pick. We didn't have a second. So we got back into the game a little bit earlier on, on day two. Um, you know, we tried to target some guys, and but still you're at the mercy of 50, you know, guys, you know, getting you know, getting picked before you. So you're just crossing off names, crossing off names, crossing off names. And um, so, yeah, challenging. But, you know, people rate drafts after your draft. You mean everybody will, you know, we'll know what this draft within three, you know, three to four years. But it's one that's going to be def- definitely scrutinized and heavily watched because I think there's good value in this draft. And now we, now we get going. Well, I'll give you an example of people maybe rating drafts a little too quickly. Uh, the 2010 draft for the Edmonton Oilers, the head amateur scout was Stu McGregor, who I played for, and you know that, Tyler. And after that draft year, people, certain people referred to him as, quote-unquote, the magnificent bastard for the draft year that he had. They thought he killed it. And as it turned out, there were some significant misses in the second and third round of that draft year. You know, they didn't – they took a pit like in the second round, and um, – Curtis Hamilton, who played like two games in the NHL. Marincin, who never panned out as anything more than a 6-7 NHL defenseman. Uh, Ryan Martindale, they took a swing on him in the third round. Well, it turned out that Toffoli was the guy driving the line in Ottawa that year. So the immediate response was it was really positive on the draft for Stu. And it didn't pan out that way. And I, I think we don't know for four or five years. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, without, without a doubt. Um you know, you're predicting the future of an 18-year-old kid, uh, young man, for that matter. You know, there's a lot going on in, in their lifetime. So I think the biggest thing that, one of the biggest things that we really try to dive into is, you know, it's it's character and it's it's work ethic. And you know, is he going to do the, is he going to do all the little things that we need? I mean, obviously, as as the draft gets later, um, the more I don't want to say, you know, the more negativity, um, you know, it's just the lesser player for that matter as, as where he is right now where the industry has him rated. So, I mean, those guys got to work on things, whether it's efficiency in skating, whether it's small and, and um, you know, weak at this point in time. Like, all those things have to come into place. And if you're not willing to put the time and the effort in, it's going to be hard to do. So we really try to dive into, um, you know, finding out the characters. Are you just good at hockey or you, do you like it? Do you want to get better? You know, that's a big part. All right. Uh, I'd be, I got to, you know, I got to ask you about the goaltenders. You would have, you you had a lot of viewings in on Sebastian Cosa. He ended up going 15th. Um, We thought he was rising. Jesper Wallstadt was there at 20. You obviously, you knew that if you do that trade, they're probably trading up to get them. My understanding was that there was more than one team that actually called the orders on it, and you, you got the best pick you could at that point. What was it about Bargo that allowed you to forego looking at Wallstat as uh, the goalie pick at number 20? Um, well, both good young prospects, for sure. Um, at the end of the day... You know, somebody asked me in a media scrum after, you know, is it fair to say you guys were totally against drafting a goalie? No, not at all. You, you know, me and Askarov last year was in our mix at, at 14. Uh, 
were we against drafting a goalie at 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 19? Absolutely not. Were we were we against a goalie at 21 when you go back two spots? Uh, no, we're we're not opposed to it. Um, we just we we ranked these guys and we had a cluster of guys and we ended up getting a you know a pick out of it. You I mean you know how hard it is that you know a trade yep. deadline you're you're trading picks away for NHL players. Um, you know they're still assets. So we decided that you know we had a cluster of three guys. We were going to go back two spots. We were willing to to roll that dice. I mean, obviously, the the microscope is going to be on the development of, of, you know, Borgo and the development of Wallstep. But, I mean, we 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 thought that you know, with the cluster of guys that we had, that we were going to get a really good player that we were comfortable with at 19, that we're still going to get at 21, and we rolled that dice. We're joined right now by Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright. And Tyler, it should be mentioned, it's not like the organization hasn't invested some relatively high picks on goaltenders over the course of the last several years. Skinner took a step forward this year. He was a third-round pick in 2017. A second, Edmonton traded up to draft Olivier Rodrigue, second round in 2018. And Connell Voloff, who's an older goaltender, uh, is already 23, he is a third-round pick. So you've got two-thirds and a second developing in your – logic dictates you might only have two spots for those guys in the American Hockey League. Someone's going to have to play in the coast or maybe go back to Europe. You did have some depth with some goaltending prospects, didn't you? Yeah, for the most part, but I mean, you always room. You always, you know, if you think you can upgrade on the depth, then I think you you do it. You um, I mean, there's no magic formula out there to to. You I mean you look at Veseleski and what he's done. Um, you know, I would say he's up there, obviously, with the best goaltenders in the world. You know, drafted it. 18th or 17th in 2000 and 12. you know whatever yeah. you know yeah, just 12. and I mean he goes back and plays in the KHL for two years he goes to the American Hockey League like there's there's still there's there's time for them that they have to d- develop right. and um, when you draft a goalie you have to be patient and um, at the end of the day we we know we need to, we've got some goalie prospects and we're trying to be patient with them Um would have been nice to add to the mix. I mean, absolutely. It's not, I mean, we probably talked about goalies more this year than we have ever in our entire, you know, meetings uh, throughout. It was a big topic of discussion. And um, we just decided that the equivalency of where our players were on our draft board, we we decided to go back and get, get an asset and we got a good player. All right. Well, let's talk about the guys that you did draft. We just had Borgo on the show. Um, his English is way better than my French, and likely your French as well. Uh, just, I like the effort. You know, he, he told us he'd only started speaking English four years ago. That's impressive. What was it about Xavier Borgo that you liked? Well, a lot. Um, we think he's an extremely tele- intelligent hockey player. He's got high skill. He can play center. He can play the wing. Um, he's a student of the game. 
Um, he's very competitive. Um, he understands what it takes already as far as his priorities in his life and, and to be a, an NHL player. Um, we think that we're going to add a top six guy, hopefully, um, at some point in time to, to the group that we've already got. Okay. Uh, you mentioned getting an asset to draft in the third round. That turned out to be Luca Munzenberger out of uh, Dusseldorf, Germany. What's the rate? He's headed off to, uh, he's committed to the University of Vermont, which means he's going to have some time to develop. Tell us about this player. Well, big rangy defenseman, um, you know, 6'2", 6'3"-ish, you know, 200 pounds right right about now, a lot of room to grow. He's He's in Vermont right now. Um, we did a lot of due diligence before talking to the coaches at, at Vermont. Um, the progression that he has made there, what their thoughts were on him. He played at the World Juniors here this year. Um, just a, you know, just a big man that can move pucks and play physical and play hard. And you I mean you know the value of that. And and we were excited to get him for sure. You got Jake Chase on in the fourth round of the Brandon Weekings. He's from Abbotsford, BC. Had about a point per game this past year, uh, playing in the bubble in Regina uh, with the uh, Wheaties. Um, more of a right wing, more of a center, bigger body. What is he? Yeah, bigger body, uh, 6'2", um, really light right now. You know, I think he's probably about 170 pounds, maybe a little bit more. Uh, needs a lot of time, you know, in the weight room. Uh, needs to get stronger. Um, he's got good bloodlines, you know, his, his uncle's Doug Lipster, um, you know, so uh, he's just, he's, he's a guy that we, I think he's a winger more than a centerman, um, but he's, you know, he's a big guy that got really good hands. He's got good hockey sense and tight. He goes to the paint. Um, he needs to get stronger and he's got to work on some things, but um, we, we liked him where we got him. We're joined right now by Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright. Tyler, uh, you can help me out on the pronunciation here. Is it uh, Madvai uh, Petrov? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Metyev. We call him Metyev Petrov. Metyev Petrov. Now, this was a player that was the number one pick in the CHL import draft, but we had no OHL season. Uh, he was ranked uh, by the Hockey News around 90th, and there was a lot of people that thought that this was a, a guy that uh, somebody was going to take a swing on because uh, he can really apparently shoot the puck. Uh, tell us about the player. Yeah, another big guy um, can really shoot the puck. Um, and not just shoot the puck, he can, he can score. So a uh, little bit of inconsistency in his game right now. Um, you know, there's there's times where... You know, we're not sure if it's just, you know, immaturity uh, or what, but we we got to get our hands on him and, and we got to start molding him. Uh, he was excited to get picked by us, um, but he brings an element that you can't teach, and, and that's, you know, he's got size and he can put the puck in the net. Uh, do the owners currently, do you have someone, like, I know the scouting staff got downsized a little, Tyler. Is there somebody that's sort of scouting? The, usually what happens is teams might have a guy in Russia and the Czech Republic, and then they might have a guy like in Sweden or Finland. Is there a full-time guy over there right now in Russia, or is that being worked on? No, we have a full-time guy. Oh, there. you do have a full-time guy there. Okay. Uh, Shane Lachance, son of Scott Lachance, a longtime NHLer, 6'4 D. 
uh, or sorry, a six foot four winger, uh, and he's committed to BU here in a couple seasons. And he's another guy uh, that was listed as an X factor in the hockey news, as a guy who could potentially make some noise. Tell us about him. Yeah, you know I've played with Scott in, in Columbus, so I've known this family and I've known the kid for quite some time. Big kid, six five actually right now. Um, he's going to go and play in Youngstown in, in the USHL next year, and then go into BU. Um, good bloodlines, obviously, with his with his father. His his mom is this, uh, the daughter of Jack Parker, the legendary coach out of BU. So, grew up in a hockey family with NHL pedigree. He's he's a big body guy that can shoot the puck as well. Um, He's got to work on his strength. He's got to work on his skating. But uh, we thought, you know, given his time frame and, and, and what he needs to do, we'd like to tuck him away at, at, at BU. And, um, you know, I talked to the Boston University coaches before the draft, and they're excited about him coming in. Um, you know, we're in the sixth round, and, you, you know, tuck him away in school and give him the resources, and hopefully he can develop into a big part. And you took another swing, and, and I think it's important. It is a swing. Like, realistically, sometimes fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, we're looking at about a 7 to 8% success ratio. Max Warner, who uh, played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, uh, tell us about this defenseman. Um, another big, big defenseman, 6'3", um, shoots right. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of just a... You know, a young Colt there. He, he, you know, just kind of cutting his teeth in the Western Hockey League. Had played five games uh, in the WHL before into the bubble. Got hurt while he was in the bubble this year. Only played the 17 games. So, um, still trying to really solidify himself uh, in the in the Western Hockey League. Um, but he's a big guy that's competitive. He can skate. Um, you know, we're talking in the seventh round that we. You know, we wanted to, you know, kind of target maybe a right-handed defenseman, um, and he was, you know, fit the bill. It should be noted, uh, they have a defenseman by the name of Damon Hunt, who I believe, uh, I'm just checking here, yeah, he's drafted by Minnesota, third-round pick. There's a lot of talk in the WHL circles that he might be in play here. So if he gets moved, that might allow Warner to uh, play a few more minutes here because he's a pretty good offensive defenseman. Um a couple things for you. Just uh, maybe explain to the listeners the difference between when you draft a European player uh, and how much, how long you retain or, or a player headed to the NCAA, the, the, the difference in retaining rights and when you have to have guys sign as opposed to drafting somebody out of the Western Hockey League. Yeah, you mean with... In the CHL, we've got the two-year window before they have to go back. You mean we either got to sign them, or they go back into the draft as a 19-year-old. You mean if, uh, you know, on on regular birthdays. Um, right. Obviously, when you draft a Russian player, there's no agreement between uh, right now. So you kind of hold their rights until they become an unrestricted free agent at 26. Um, they just go on a kind of a defected list uh, if you are unable to sign them for that matter. And European players and NCAA players, um, you know, with, with NCAA players, you hold their rights for, for four years. So um, it, there's some discrepancy, obviously, with, you know, 
you know, players playing in the USHL that go on to play in, in college hockey and in, or Europe for that matter, as versus the CHL, the window is a little bit tighter. So, um, you know, I think that was probably a little bit of a, um, you know, a factor for us taking a guy like Lachance just because we're going to have a little bit more time to, to develop him. Um, and the same thing with, with Matyev Petrov. Um, you know, this guy has always had the ability to score goals and put up numbers and, um, and produce. So, um, you know, those points do factor in a little bit once you get in later in the in the draft but at the end of the day we still took a kid out of moose jaw that we've got you know two years to help them out give them all the resources that we can and and we got to develop our players it, you mean it with a flat cap right now and the way that the you know, we're, we're we're trending for a couple of years um I mean, you need to draft right and you need to develop these players because these players come in on entry-level contracts. Um, you mean, you look at a guy like Wakeel McCarr and Heiskin and these young guys that, you know, step in and play like seven, eight, nine million dollar players on entry-level deal. Yeah. Um, that's valuable. So we have to draft and we have to develop. There, There's a premium on that. Well, and, you know, certainly in support players as well, that's part of the reason why Tampa Bay ended up in the position they did is they killed it with some third and fourth rounders. Final one for you, Tyler. Have you – are we at the stage now, like I would say there was a time maybe 1990 to about 2015 based upon the success of the Western Hockey League, I think a little bit the Memorial Cup and the perceptions of toughness and character and grit, that maybe sometimes players were overrated out of the WHL. And I'm gonna. I think we do have something like that developing right now with the U.S. National Development Program. Um, it's basically a glorified all-star team. Everybody looks good on that team, and it's. And I know they're really good players. They pull them to one team, but I'm wondering whether or not you know. Are we gonna look back ten years from now and go? You know, some like I look at Jack Hughes and I look at Kirby Doc, and I go. If Kirby Doc played on the U.S. national development team and Jack Hughes played for the Saskatoon Blades, I think Kirby Doc goes number one and Jack Hughes goes further down in the draft. What are your thoughts on that just in terms of has there been a push to sell and promote sort of an American angle on things? Uh, not, I mean, not in when we sit in our war room. Um, you know, I can't speak for what the industry and the social media and the people's you know, perceptions or pushes are um, outside of that. I mean, we're, we dissect these guys right down to every single aspect of it. Um, do they get pushed up the list because of the U.S. factor? I don't think so. Um, you know, these guys play against college players. They play against USHL teams. They they go and play in the tournaments in the four and the five nations that the Canadian players don't. Uh, the World Championships, the U18s, at the end they do. Uh, but you're still not getting a true Canadian team because a lot of the CHL players are still playing. So, I mean, they're playing against the kind of, you know, what the U.S. is doing. I mean, it's really no different within you know what the Swedes are doing at the under 18 world championships they just get to play longer together over through the course of the year or the Finns or the Russians or the Czechs for that matter Canada is a little bit of you know an anomaly when it, you're talking about it because the CHL is still running and a lot of the best players that would be on the Canadian team 
don't have the opportunity to go because they are still playing. So this year it was a little bit different. Yep. Um, and I think that you kind of, you finally saw a real, now, the Quebec kids weren't allowed to go and play this year at the under-18 World Championship. So right. I think the Quebec, the, the Canadian team would have been even better this year. And that was really the first time that you would have been able to judge him up. Um, now, with that saying, the U.S. team this year, you know, Luchas wasn't there. Uh, Luke Hughes wasn't there. Uh, Tyler Boucher wasn't there. I mean, we're talking, you know, first-round picks, right? Two top 10 guys. And, you know, so they had their own deficiencies at it. But we don't personally evaluate the U.S. team any different than a kid playing in Musia. It's our job to do the projection and where are these kids going to be at 21, 22 years of age and and it's hard to do. You're, you're predicting the future. I got a 22 and a 20 year old at my house and it's hard to predict their future and we're with them every day. So there's no exact science. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, we want committed hockey players that have some skill set that we really want to exploit and are really excited to become an Edmonton Oiler. And um, we've got a great nucleus here, and we're just continually trying to add in every pick that we get. Um, we're trying to add into this group and make this thing run for a long time. Tyler, excellent job. Thank you for taking time to join us here in Oilers now. All right, thanks, Bob. You Have bet. Night. Yeah. Uh, it is 12.58. We blew right through a break. Uh, up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, we'll hear from Mike Smith, and I'll give you my thoughts on some potential free agents. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.